Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, we're going to talk about how we can create a conducive learning environment as we head back to school this fall. And we're going to talk about how to make this happen no matter what reality your school is facing. We're going to talk about what you can do even if you don't know yet what exactly school is going to look like in the fall. We're going to get to that all in a minute, but first I need to let you know this episode is brought to you by our Classroom Management 101 program. Uh, Classroom Management 101 is a complete online course that helps you create that conducive learning environment and goes into way more detail than we have time to in this one podcast episode. So if you're needing help, grab Classroom Management 101. We will walk with you step by step, help you develop and then implement a classroom management plan that will help you create an environment where your students can focus and learn without at least too many distractions. You can get all the details at teachfortheheart.com slash CM101. That's CM for classroom management and then 101. All right, let's get into today's topic. How can we create a conducive learning environment? For many of us, the fall is still looking a bit uncertain. You might have the outline of what it looks like, You might not, Um, but there's still a lot of question marks. There's question marks about social distancing guidelines, whether they'll be there or not, how strict they'll be, uh, what the restrictions could be. They're varying. It seems that they might be varying widely, state by state, or possibly even district to district or school to school. Um, There's all kinds of different possibilities floating out there. So today, we're not going to focus on all the unknown. We're instead going to talk about key principles that you're going to be able to apply no matter what you're facing. And I will tell you, I think these principles are actually going to be more important this year than ever. Because the reality is last last spring was crazy, right? We did the best we could. I know each of you did the best you could. Uh, but a lot of students did not learn the way we would have wished them to. So we have ground to make up, and we have ground to make up while we're still dealing with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns, a lot of restrictions, and and honestly, who knows, okay? So we have to find sustainable solutions. We have to find a way to serve our students the best we can with the situation that we've been given. And one of the biggest keys, I really think, to that will be establishing an environment in your classroom where when you're there, However much time you have in your classroom, whether it's a normal amount or less than normal or whatever the case, while you're there or even in a virtual classroom, when you are with your students, you can maximize that time because there's not as many behavior issues, not as many distractions. Students are really able to focus and learn and use that time that you have together to its full advantage. Now, I'm not saying we're, we're never going to completely in- eliminate distractions. That's not the point. That's that's impossible, I guess I should say. Uh, but we can really work on creating that learning environment where we're not wasting time, um, where there's not too many distractions, and where things run as smooth as possible so we can maximize our learning time that we do have because I don't think any of us are taking that for granted anymore, right? We need to take advantage of the time that we have. So we're going to talk about five keys to creating this conducive learning environment and we'll talk a little bit about what that might look like in different situations. So number one, the number one key will be to have 
great routines and procedures. They need to be well thought out. You've got to insist that they're followed and you've got to invest time in learning them. So let's let's talk this through. You probably already know that procedures are important in the classroom, but they might not be top of mind right now with just everything that's going on. And I want to put a like big flashing neon sign and say, they are important. They need your focus. They need your time. You need to think through procedures for your classroom. Um, If you have social distancing guidelines that you're dealing with, you need to think through what is the best way that I can handle whatever this is. How should students, you know, line up? How should they get their materials? How should this happen? Think it through. Think through what would be the smoothest solution. And Try not to get frustrated if you do have restrictions. Just think, what's the best we can do with the situation that we're given, right? So think through whether you have social distancing or not. um, Still important to think through procedures, right? This is key every year. Think back, what did not go well last year? What do I want to be different? Um, Because honestly, guys, every school year is a fresh start, but this is even more fresh start than normal. Um, Everyone, it's just going to be a different year. And you can totally, if you had like a really chaotic classroom before COVID, you can really do a lot to improve your classroom right here. And it starts with procedures. It starts by thinking through what should the best procedure be? What would be a smooth procedure? If you're not sure, ask teachers, ask in our Facebook group, teachfortheheart.com slash Facebook, join our group, ask for advice, um, and um, find some good ideas for that. But it's not enough to simply have good procedures. You have to spend time learning them with your students. And you might, even more than ever this year, you might feel pressured, like, I don't have time to, like, spend all this time, you know, teaching students how to line up or how to pack up or how to turn in papers or all that. Like, I I don't have time to waste on this. It is not a waste of time. This is a critical investment. If you need to plan, just like a normal school year, even more than a normal school year, you need to plan time the first few weeks of school to invest in learning procedures. You have to teach them clearly to your students. You have to practice them with them. And then this is key. You have to insist they are followed. If you give students a procedure, but you don't follow up and insist that they actually do it, It's not going to happen, okay? And we need our classrooms to run efficiently this year. It's just so important. We cannot afford to miss this this year. So you've got to, you've got to prioritize good procedures. You've got to invest time, view it as an investment that will pay off the rest of the year. And you've got to insist that they are followed. It is really simple. If If they don't do it, tell them to redo it. Just make them do what the procedure is. You know, practice together, but just insist on it. Have them redo it if they don't do it. And you will find that that pays off hugely in creating that calm, effective learning environment for your students for the rest of the year. So prioritize that, give it the time it needs. Number two key. So number one is have good routines and procedures, prioritize them. Uh, Number two, have super clear expectations. So what we mean by this is that you need to be really clear with your students and with parents, we'll get to that later, about what you expect from them. They need to know very clearly what it takes to succeed in your classroom, what they need to do, okay? This is even more important. This is 
this is important all the time, but if you're dealing with some type of blended learning or different schedules or whatever the case is, this is even more important. You've got to be crystal clear. This is what you need to do when you're at home learning. This is, or even in, like I said, even in a normal classroom, if you're, if you're, even if you have your classroom, your students with you all day, every day, this is what you need to do at home. This is what you need to do in study hall. This has always been important. This is nothing new, but it is even more important this year that we are super clear with our expectations with our students. Don't assume that if you give them something to do, that they just know what to do with it. You need to be really clear with them. And like I said, especially if you're doing some type of blended learning where students are supposed to learn from home uh, on their own a day, a couple days a week, you need to be very clear with them. This is what you should do. This is how you succeed. This is how you can set it up. And make sure they really know um, what is needed to succeed. If you want them to be, if you're flipping your class and you want them to watch videos at home so you can work together, you need to really stress to them how important it is that they actually watch them. You need to be really clear about what that should look like. You shouldn't be watching this video while you're, you know, doing all these other things, you know, while you're also watching a movie or whatever. You know, you need to sit down with your headphones and notes and actually really focus on this. So you need to be really clear with your students. Almost over-communicate your expectations with them, and I think you'll find that that is super helpful for everyone. So number one, prioritize procedures. Number two, be, be very clear in your communication of your expectations for your students. Number three, I think it's going to be even more important than ever or more helpful than ever if we can give our students real choices about what they're doing, especially the older that your students are. So choices can be really helpful for a couple reasons. Number one, they can increase student motivation. So when students get to actually choose between two or three options that are all good options, but they still get to make some type of choice, they have some ownership in that and can increase their motivation. But choices can also be hugely helpful in accounting for the varied circumstances that our students faced in the spring and that they may even continue to face in the fall. So, for example, some students last spring really stuck with their work. A few students might have even done better than normal. They might be right on pace. You may have other students that never logged in once. They didn't learn anything the whole last quarter, and they're really behind. So how can you account for that? Well, one way is by giving students choices in what they do for various assignments. So if you're sending something home, you might say, okay, here's two different choices. Um, one of them is more remedial in the fact that it's going back and reviewing something that would have been covered, that you covered in the spring that some students might have missed or like a foundational skill. So it covers like a foundational skill that's necessary for success. And then the other option is a little bit more advanced. It's actually covering what you're learning or taking it to a next level. And you can allow students to choose. You know, if you feel like you still, you're kind of still confused with this, do this assignment. If you feel like, nope, I got that down, that's boring to me, I'm well beyond that, do this assignment. And you can teach students how to self-assess themselves and to and to learn. That's an amazing skill. If students can learn that skill to kind of be self-aware and learn, what do I need to succeed? Do I need to go back and pick up this skill? Or am I, do, am I already good with that and I can move on? You can build in choices like that where students are self-assessing. Um, that takes a lot of burden off you too to try to make figure 
that out for every single student. You're letting them choose what do I need for success. So you're giving them ownership and you're giving them choices that can be really meaningful. There are all kinds of other choices that you can give that are really simple, and we talk about those in episode 102 of the podcast. You can head back and grab that one, listen to that one, or we'll link to that article in the notes from this podcast. And the notes for this podcast are going to be at teachfortheheart.com slash 148, teachfortheheart.com slash 148. This is episode 148. So number one, we're going to prioritize procedures. Number two, we're going to give super clear expectations. Number three, we're going to look for ways to allow real choices, both choices that will simply allow them some ownership, but also choices that can account for varied circumstances. Oh, one more thing I wanted to just mention underneath choices before we move on. Choices can be, I gave an example of giving choices for, you know, what topic students might do and might choose their assignment based on where they feel they are. But you can also give choices on learning format. So if you know some students have better internet access and other students don't, don't, you can give two forms of an assignment, you know, one that uses internet, one that doesn't. Or if you know, so whatever the situation is, if you know you have different situations in your class, some students might have a really focused environment at home, some might struggle to do things at home, you can account for that by giving like two different choices. And I don't know about you, this is one thing that the pandemic has really revealed to me is that People's situations are always different, but I think the pandemic has really exasperated those differences and people's experiences are so different. And so uh, when some of these things become easier for some students, harder for others, or they they resp- their personalities might respond different. So it could be due to their home situation, it could be due to their personalities. And so try to, whenever you notice that, whenever you notice, man, my students are reacting in two very different ways. Ask yourself, well, can I create two options? And can I teach my students how they can choose the option that fits their personality or fits their home situation or fits whatever, whatever that variable is? Look for ways to differentiate that and then allow students to choose. And really key caveat here, look for ways to do this that does not make unnecessary work for you, okay? You, you've you got to find a way to do this that is also sustainable for you. So it's probably not going to be sustainable to create two super complex, amazing things. Just look for small tweaks. Um, look for simple things that are easy to put together, okay? So I'm just a little caveat there. Don't put a crazy burden on yourself. Find a way to do this that does not take tons of time and that is sustainable for you and your family as well. All right, let's move on to number four. Create space for community and interaction. We've all realized more than ever through this pandemic how much we need interaction. Even if you're an introvert, I kind of consider myself a bit of an introvert, we still really need that human interaction. And the longer and the more we're by ourselves, the more we need it. So we need to realize this need We need to realize that our students are all going to be returning to school from like a huge spectrum of this. Some will have been having a lot of normal interactions. Some might have basically been holed up at home for the last six months. We It's just going to be a big variety and we just need to be sensitive to that. And we need to uh, create space for community and interactions. So this is another thing that, like I said, especially, I think in every circumstance, all of us are feeling like, you know, 
we we having to remediate last year. All of us are going to feel crunched for time in the classroom, especially if you're doing blended learning or some type of hybrid model or any of that. But regardless, all of us are going to feel crunched for time. Like we have to um, get so much in and we don't have enough time. But this is another place where it's worth the investment. Now you can, you need to balance this, okay? You shouldn't, we, we can't afford to spend all class doing this, but we need look to look for ways that don't take too much time where we can create that space for community, for interaction amongst our students, for that social emotional learning that's really necessary. I think that's going to be more important than ever. Most of our students, you know, we've talked about trauma here. These aren't a lot. Some students have faced real trauma in these last six months, but Most students have faced at least a little bit, okay? Um, And they might be more resilient. They might be fine, um, quote unquote fine. But everyone has gone through something in these last six months. This, I don't think there's a single person this pandemic hasn't affected, okay? So it's affected all of us differently. We've all reacted differently. We are all bringing different emotions and experiences back into the classroom. And to ignore that isn't doing anyone a, a anyone a service. And I don't think it's actually, I think that investing a little bit of time, what what you can do, investing a little bit of time into this in your classroom will once again be an investment. It will pay off in that uh, building those relationships, in giving students that space so that then they can kind of release some of these emotions and, and get back to working and be able to focus in your classroom. Now, what does exactly does this look like? I mean, there's so many different ways this could look like. In an elementary classroom, maybe you do morning meetings. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, we talk about them in our, we're actually going to be talking about them some in our upcoming free training at teachfortheheart.com slash teacher training, our respectful, responsible, and engaged training. We're going to be talking a little bit about it. We talk about them in Beyond Classroom Management. Uh, there's also a book called The Morning Meeting Book. Uh, but in a nutshell, a morning meeting is about fi- uh, 15 to 20 minutes uh, in the morning every day where you meet with your students, um, you greet each other, you talk about things. But it's not just social time. You're also teaching a ton of skills. You're reviewing academic skills. You're teaching communication skills. You're teaching social skills. It really could be a worthwhile investment. I just feel like if you've ever wanted to try that, this is the year when it's 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 a good time to try that. In upper classes, secondary, where you only have 40 minutes and you definitely can't afford to take 20 of them for a meeting, um, you can do this in smaller ways. Uh, you might have... You might have exit slips. You might ask students a more personal question. Uh, You might take three minutes uh, towards somewhere in the beginning of class and just do a little bit of sharing. Uh, You might have a couple minutes built in at the end of class where students turn and talk with a classmate. And I think this is, so those are just a few tiny ideas to just kind of get your mind thinking a little bit. But I think it is important and worthwhile to build in some social interactions, especially especially the more strict your school is on social distancing. So if you find out that your school is going to be trying to do some serious social distancing where students either have to stay at their desk or they, you know, are separated at lunch or or whatever, there's so many ideas floating out there. The more strict your school is being on social distancing, the more important um, intentional creating community and interactions will be. And so they can be far apart from each other and still talking. It's going to be really important to have to kind of facilitate conversation if students are feeling more distanced from each other. 
Hopefully that makes sense. Once again, that's just like a seed of an idea. You're going to have to take that and kind of think through it, run with it, talk with your fellow teachers at your school, but hopefully that's helpful. All right, let's review and then we'll get into the last concept. Number one, prioritize procedures. Number two, give really clear expectations to your students. Number three, allow real choices. Number four, create space for community and interactions. And number five, clear communication with parents. This is something that I was on the receiving end of this year. And if you're a parent, you were as well as, you know, my students were doing distance learning and I'm communicating with teachers. So it's really different being on the other side. And one thing I realized is that clear communication is so important. It's so helpful for parents when you give clear communication and when you make things as organized for them as possible. Now, this is always important. I guess I just, I was, I realized through this experience, we can do better at this in just a regular situation and being more clear with parents um, how they can help with homework at home. You know, what, what do we expect from parents or what do I expect from the students and making the parents aware of that? Uh, we can be way better at this, I think. But if you're doing blended learning or distance learning, this is like a hundred times even more vital. It is so important. So a few things underneath this topic. Number one, as much as possible, you want to give as much responsibility to the students as you can. Okay, so if you are, this is true of anything, homework, blended learning, distance learning, right? You want to make sure that the students are taking as much ownership as they can. So rather than telling, you know, expecting that the parents administer things, do as much as you can, that the students can do as much independently as they're able to. So you want to depend on the parents as little as needed and put as much ownership and responsibility on the students as you can. But at the exact same time, you need to clearly communicate what's going on with the parents. And they need to particularly know what should be happening at home. So even if you have older students and you said, you know, okay, I've spelled out, they know exactly what they should be doing at home. You want you still want to communicate that to the parents. Um, the parents should know this is what's happening. This is how long it should take because they can be a huge ally with you. I've I've heard stories of you know over the pandemic of teachers calling home and saying you know hey you know your student hasn't done any of their work they haven't logged in at all and the parents just being so confused like what if I don't know what they've been doing then I I thought that they were so giving clear expectations to the clear communication to the parents so that parents know what should be happening. And then also, honestly, the more help you can communicate with the parents, the better. If there's something they can do to help check in, to help their students stay on pace, communicate with that, that with them as well. And then obviously, the younger your students are, the, once again, the even more you need to be clearly communicating with parents. Make sure they know exactly what needs to happen, especially if you're still doing any type of blended learning or distance learning where with younger students where parents are administering um, work or really, you know, have to be more involved because the students are younger, then you've got to be as clear with your communication as possible and as organized as possible. Okay, let me give you like, I just put yourself in the parents' shoes I'm just going to describe a little bit what this looked like for me. 
as a parent with my kids. I had a first grader and a kindergartner this last spring. And the teachers gave us their assignments in Google Classrooms, which was helpful. So at least I knew where to get it. But they would have, they would just list the assignments for every day. And what I would have to do then is, so I've got two different students. I'm having to give assignments to both of them uh, because neither of them are at the level where they can like read something and just know what to do, where to find the paper. Um, So what I had to end up doing every day was writing out on an actual sheet of paper what are all the things that that we have to do because I found it was really difficult to be like going on the computer like trying to find this assignment then switching over to the other kid's account to try to find their assignment then switching back to the other account to try to find what's next. So I really needed a written out list of what's everything we have to do today so that I could cross it off and I could see it, like actually see it in physical reality. And so I ended up having to spend time doing that every morning. And that's not, that might not seem like a huge deal, but I mean, I've also got a baby and a toddler and it's just, it would have been really helpful um, to have a that written out for me, you know, where I could just print it and be like, here's everything we have to do. It's organized for me. Another thing that I realized is that sometimes we as teachers, we as teachers have to be careful because we know in our head exactly what we mean. But our students and their parents don't always know. So if you just say, you know, do page eight, you know that if you were teaching that in class, you would look at page eight and you would see, oh, okay, you know, page eight involves, you know, that I'm going to explain this and then we'll do this together and then they'll do it. But the parent literally only has page eight. They don't know, they don't, they don't have any of that background. And so telling them, hey, you know, before you do this, you might need to explain this to your student or you might need to do this together. Give your parent, give the parents the tools that they need to be successful. Give your students the tools they need to be successful. So this is going a little bit back to the clear expectations for the students. When you give them assignments, especially for any homework, but especially if you're doing blended or distance learning, be really clear with them um, what it is. Uh, Just ask yourself, if I wasn't the teacher, would I know what this means? Would I know what this assignment, would this be a clear assignment or would I be kind of confused and and not sure what, what we're supposed to do? All right, well, we could go on and on, but just let's just get, once again, some key principles um, for you to think through. And they're going to be, these are going to be keys no matter what happens. So even if you still don't know exactly what the fall is look like, even if there's still a bunch of question marks, these are things that you can start thinking about. These are things that you can and should prioritize to help create as smooth of a classroom environment as you can so that you can spend as l- less time you know, trouble dealing with problems and all that and more time actually learning and growing together. So let's review them real quick. Number one, prioritize procedures. Number two, give super clear expectations. Number three, allow real choices. Number four, create space for community and interactions. And number five, clear communication with parents. I hope these ideas have been helpful to you. If you would like more help figuring out how can I create this conducive learning environment, we, especially in this unknown and crazy year, we're going to be doing two live trainings that are going to help out with this. Classroom Management Solutions is in particular, if you've had trouble in the past creating a calm environment, if things have been kind of chaotic for you, then Classroom Management Solutions is absolutely going to help you start this school year right, take advantage 
advantage of this fresh start to create a calm, conducive learning environment. We'll go into some of the strategies we talked here in more detail and talk about other ones as well. And then our second live training is called Respectful, Responsible, and Engaged. I mentioned it before. And that kind of is for those of you who feel like, okay, I, I actually do pretty well with creating a calm learning culture. You know, my, my classroom's pretty, pretty calm, pretty controlled. I want to help better engage my students. I want to create a more respectful learning culture. I want my students to really want to learn and be excited, and I want them to be responsible for their own learning. Those are the types of things we're going to cover in Respectful, Responsible, and Engaged. And both of them will be applicable across a variety of the situations um, that are possibilities for this coming fall. So I hope you will join us. Both of those, you can sign up. They're both free at teachfortheheart.com slash trainings. That's teachfortheheart.com slash trainings with an S. You can get details on both of those and get signed up. All right, before we go, let's take just a moment and pray together. Father, thank you for each teacher. I pray that you will take these ideas. I pray that they will not cause any extra stress, but that they will instead lead to solutions and lead to a more calm environment, A that they will eliminate some of the stress and the problems uh, that might have been more common in the past. And I pray that you will guide each teacher to know um, how to take these ideas and implement them, what will work best for them, for their students, for their unique situation. And I pray you'll give all of us peace to know you are in control, peace to know that you will guide us when we get the answers uh, about what next school year looks like, and just to really, truly rely on you and rest in your goodness despite the challenges that we face. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you guys. If you'd like to get the notes and the links, everything from this note uh, from this episode, you can find at teachfortheheart.com slash 148. We'll also link through some articles that go a little bit deeper into some of the topics that we discussed here. Once again, that's teachfortheheart.com slash 148. And sign up for those free trainings at teachfortheheart.com slash trainings. Thank you guys so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.